Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. Today, I have a great episode with Amy Baxter, MD. She is quite impressive, as you're going to find out in this interview. You know, I, I like to have clinical interviews and episodes uh, sprinkled in that I really think could help you in practice and or help your patients. And uh, she was referred to me, a uh, strong recommendation to have on here. Um, she, she directs the innovation, invention, operations, and strategy for pain care labs. After graduating from Yale University and Emory Medical School as a double-boarded pediatric emergency physician, Dr. Baxter founded uh, Pima emergency research while also founding pain care labs. Uh, she's someone that's gone through the trenches of being a medical doctor in practice. And, you know, now she's kind of got that entrepreneur and research combination going. And as you're going to find out in this episode, uh, it, it's impressive the technology that they have developed. Some of it is right now completely you can use it you know in, in your practice your patients can get it for a very very affordable rate as far as helping with pain control and especially chronic pain and and we dive into certain types of patient populations in this episode that i know we all struggle with and what they're offering these patients can really help uh, prevent unnecessary surgeries opioid issues like we talk about that a lot in here and it's, um, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, Dr. Jay Greenstein's clinics are actually part of the research for uh, a new technology that she explains in this episode and really getting a lot of data. And so Dr. Baxter is working with chiropractic clinics in this and how this can really be uh, a great opportunity for your patients to manage some of their chronic and, you know, acute pain that we dive into in this episode. You're going to find a ton of clinical value in this interview. She she brings uh, great expertise and, and is as smart as can be. So it was exciting to uh, honestly learn a lot during this interview myself in some of the pain control mechanisms and, and how this particular technology that her and her team are advancing into at least this country for sure and hopefully further on. So obviously in the United States, there's a lot of regulation, a lot of research that needs to go on. And so she's going through all those channels, which is really cool. Uh, so there's a lot of evidence and, and research behind this. And uh, I think it's going to benefit uh, to hear what she has to say, you know, and a lot of us in our practice, we use certain things like TENS units and electrical stim units, and that's fine, right? And and this could be a supplement and or alternative to that with uh, longer lasting results for your patient. So here is my interview with Dr. Amy Baxter. All right. Welcome to the show, Dr. Amy Baxter. I really appreciate your time today. I'm excited to dive into a clinical topic. You know, I know we we are kind of a everything business growth, practice growth podcast, and the clinical is a big part of that. So I love having these topics there. So before we dive into uh, what we're going to talk about today, uh, tell us about yourself personally and professionally, and then we'll go from there. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Dr. Kevin Christie. Um, I'm a pediatric emergency doctor by training and grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, 
got interested in pain and suffering in pediatrics and then went even further to realizing that a lot of what doctors are taught about how pain management works and kind of our pharma focus wasn't the best way. So ended up inventing some devices that used gate control and mechanical stimulation for pain. And over time went from doing it for vaccines for kids because pediatrics to um, musculoskeletal health and even opioid reduction. So that's where I am now. That is great. And where are you located? We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, love it there. Perfect. And how long have you guys been um, headquartered there? You know, I went to medical school here and then trained all over the place as one does Cincinnati, Virginia, Texas, and came back here when we started having kids. So I've been here as a physician practicing since 2005, but started the company and really got rolling with the needle pain device in 2009 and then went full-time on musculoskeletal in 2016. One of my colleagues was in opioid recovery and had been... 20 years clean and didn't want to even take trimadol for a knee replacement. So yeah. that was when he used my vaccine device and then didn't need the, you know, didn't need any opioids at all for the surgery. So that was when I decided to go full-time into working on musculoskeletal solutions. That's great. You know, and, and Jay Greenstein had connected us and you and I were uh, having a great conversation a week or two ago about what you're doing and really the, what interests me, and I know probably what interests Jay, and I know you have a lot of collaborative efforts with him, and he's, you know, knee deep into the research of stuff. I know you're knee deep into the research. It is that void, you know, as, as chiropractors, we see it a lot because, you know, a lot of people come to us for natural solutions because they don't want to take, say, medications or opioids. And, and obviously, we, we know a lot of the, uh, honestly, the tragedy around a lot of the opioid use but there's always been that kind of missing component to uh, really be able to provide a solution for these uh, patients. Is that really what came to you about it? Like, how did this all kind of come together? Right. And, and how did I find Jay? So yeah. Jay is actually, so when I decided to focus on musculoskeletal, I had gotten an NIH grant to develop the needle pain device. When I knew that we needed something bigger for opioids, I decided to pick the highest hanging fruit or the place where the biggest bang for the buck could be to save lives. And that's low back pain because that's where the most opioids tend to be given out. I looked for a place near the NIH in Bethesda where we could do the NIH trial on the low back pain device that I'm researching with Jay, mm -hmm. because I wanted to be in a place where the the people taking care of the patients with pain were open to multiple different options. One of the things that I have found since leaving my practice of medicine is that we are such a monocular profession. You know, we're, we're used to doing multiple choice tests and there's one right answer. And chiropractors are not ever satisfied with one answer. There's always a lot of different things to try. Mm -hmm. That philosophy and attitude was what Jay and I found we had in common. So that's where I decided that his his locations would be perfect for trialing this new mechanical stimulation device. Perfect. And, and tell us uh, the name of your company and the name of the device. We just have a frame of reference. 
Sure. So my company is called Pain Care Labs. Mm-hmm. We started uh, being called MMJ Labs for my kids, Max, Miles, and Jill. But about five years ago, that became synonymous with medical marijuana, which is not what we do. So we have decided to be a little bit more descriptive. The devices that are available now are called VibraCool. And I am moving away from the name vibration and more to mechanical stimulation for reasons that I know we're going to get into. The device that we're trialing with Jay is called Duotherm. One of the really critical parts about what we understand now about neuroscience and pain is that options and the area that processes catastrophizing fear and bad associations with pain is right adjacent to the area that processes hope and multiple different options. People who are more hopeful in the frontal cortex are actually able to light up and come up with more different options. So the the simple act of having different ways to approach something makes you both more hopeful and also decreases pain. So the Duotherm device is dual, it's cold and heat. And we also have three different motors with different vibration frequencies. So that is being tested now. If anybody's in the Bethesda area and wants to send their patients to Jay's offices to, they don't have to be seen there, but they can get enrolled in the study. But that concept of overlapping frequencies and the ability to choose heat or cold is a really important thing for somebody with a pain like back pain. Perfect. And how long have you been uh, working with Jay's clinic? I think he has four locations, something like that. And how long have you been working with his locations? Well, COVID was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) What's that? What's that? I got the, I got the grant from the NIH in 2019. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were working on finishing the device so that we could start doing enrollment. And we did a phase one in, I believe, early 2021 at their sites, finally, with a couple different prototypes. And then we didn't start enrolling until June 26th of this year. So we got really delayed because it's very hard to invent three-dimensional products through Zoom. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you can't do the trial through (laughs) Zoom, I don't think, right? Um, Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that would be... That would be really impressive technology. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure the technology is, is great. And so since we're on that topic, tell us about the technology. Tell, uh, let's get into the, into the science. I've got a very smart audience. They're, they're very evidence-informed. They can handle uh, you know, all, all the science that we got. So let's dive into it for a little bit, and then we'll come back out of it. All right. Well, I'm going to take us all the way back to 1965 when we got your Melzack and Wall writing about gate control. In many people's minds, gate control is synonymous with TENS units. Mm -hmm. But the real concept is that you've got large fiber nerves, A beta nerves that are transmitting sensations from four different mechanoreceptors. You've got your light touch Messner corpuscles. You've got your stretchy Raffini corpuscles. You've got your pressure Merkel discs for acupressure and deep pushing. Um, And then you've got your Pacinian corpuscles for position sense, joint movement, that sort of thing. And the Messners are really superficial and on the top and the Pacinians are the ones that are buried the deepest. Okay, so Melzack and Wall found that if you stimulate any of these mechanoreceptors, or they hypothesized, the Mm -hmm. theory was if you stimulate any of these mechanoreceptors, then those nerves are so much bigger, they outrace A-delta light pain 
when it gets to the spine and then only the touch receptor receptor uh, feelings go up to the brain. So just like you burn your finger, you stick it under cold water, you feel the running water, you bump your elbow, you rub your elbow, you don't feel the pain anymore. All you feel is the rubbing part. Mm-hmm. Well and good. Tw- uh, 1967, people did implanted electrical stimulators with this in mind and they worked. And so since then people tried to use transcutaneous electrical stimulators to decrease pain. And they worked sometimes, they didn't work other times. It was very idiosyncratic. And so what our team has learned and what's new is that first of all, 2012, um, Manfredi et al actually put specific frequencies to each of these nerves in terms of what stimulates it. Not necessarily an electrical frequency. It could also be a frequency like the speed of touching. So Messner corpuscles are pretty slow nerves, but Pacinian corpuscles um, really fast because 180 to 250 hertz. Because you want to have a you want to have information coming back to your brain about where your body is in space that comes really fast. And you don't need to know Merkel discs are like 0.3 hertz. I mean, super slow because you don't need, you don't want to know um, how much pressure there is until it's something that could be dangerous to you. All right, so that's 2012. In the meantime, um, TENS units are working well when the studies are done in Europe or if they're done sometimes, if they're done with um, acute pain, not so good with chronic pain. Curious. So the answer to all of this and the underpinnings of our vibracool technology is that 2017, Dan Hollins published that the Pacinian corpuscles, the position sense ones, do 90% of pain relief. And if you think about it, if you bang your hand with a hammer, you don't want light touch on the Messners. You want shaking your hand really hard. And that position sense is what blocks pain. Well, TENS units are almost always in the 40 to 60 hertz range. Maybe they get up to 150, but if it's cutaneous, it's arcing between two different pads that are very superficial. So you're not triggering those Pacinian corpuscles, neither with the frequency nor with the location. What we started doing, unbeknownst to me, um, was when we started in 2006 with the needle pain device, we had an eccentric flywheel. So we had mechanical stimulation, AKA vibration, and it only worked if it was oriented to have the torque of that eccentric flywheel perpendicular to the skin. So it's pounding in horizontally, which means that that impulse and the physics of the amplitude go deep. So it's touching the pachinians. We also found that if it was, if the batteries started dying down and the motor went slower, it didn't work anymore. And it was pretty binary. It was really interesting how all of a sudden it just wouldn't, it, it was on, it was vibrating, but the pain wasn't stopped. So that was the clue that when I was working on, you know, quit practice in 2016 and started trying to get this grant to figure out how to reduce opioids, um, read this amazing book about vibration from some Italian researchers who put a lot of this research together. And it was like, wow, that's why we need very fast frequency. It's got to be oriented to the Pacinian corpuscles if we want to be activating gate control. That's, that's good. And that makes a lot of sense. That was a, a clear way of getting through a lot of good science. <laughs> that, <laughs> Thank that you. Good. I've had some time to, uh, to think about presenting it. 
Yeah. And, and let me ask a, a couple of questions on that. One was uh, you kind of talked about acute versus chronic. Now, does this work for both acute and chronic? Or are you really trying to focus on chronic pain? Well, it, yes, it works for both acute and chronic, but this is one of the reasons why um, TENS units does work sometimes. Yep. So there are a couple of different things. So TENS is usually in the Messner kind of tickling light touch range. Mm -hmm. And if you have chronic pain, it's important to think about other things. And it's also important to, to know that you're doing something to help yourself. Yeah. So, so one of the aspects that we now know because of the, the HEAL grants from NIH, the Help and Addiction Long-Term, one of the things we know is that, um, like I was alluding to earlier, that the, the place where options live in your brain, the memory of pain, all of that is processed completely differently by people with chronic pain and acute pain. Mm -hmm. So if you have somebody in a functional MRI who does not have chronic pain and you bang their hand with a hammer, um, it goes first through the, the endogenous opioids, through um, the endorphin areas of the brain, and then it goes to get processed in the anterior cingulate cortex, and then maybe it goes out to these other places. But if you've got chronic pain, you don't get any of the benefit of those endorphins. Instead, you're going straight to the places of fear, options, memory of pain, the amygdala. Um, you're still going through the thalamus and the intracingulate cortex, but you're, you're not getting any of that pain benefit. So the benefits for chronic versus acute pain, when, when you're transmitting something that's from that area that's acute on chronic, um, works just the same in terms of pain blocking with the A delta as it does if it's acute pain. So most of the time people with chronic pain also have some acute on chronic, whether it's spasms that keep flaring, whether it's a place that you're, anything that happens to it, you have an exaggerated perception of pain. There's still, I, I'm, your listeners are gonna, are gonna have a, their own impressions of this, but I tend to find that acute on chronic it's probably 75%, you know, chronic pain patients are gonna have acute flares. Yep. And, and so vibration in the 200 Hertz area is going to work for them, period. That's so for acute is gonna work. But the more important thing is with the different connectomes, the different ways that, that pain processes through the brain, um, if you add additional layers on it, for both acute and chronic, you're gonna have a decreased pain perception. So one of the things we did early on was with, with the buzzy device for needle pain, it was vibration plus ice. And initially I thought that the ice was probably 75% of what was going on. There's something called descending noxious inhibitory control. And that is whether you have pressure or cold, once it gets to a place where it's annoying, then the anterior cingulate cortex evaluates it and says, you know what? not pleasant, but not dangerous. Let's just suppress all pain a little bit right now because this is not helpful. So if you combine ice and vibration, which is what our vibracle does, it's particularly good for acute injuries, for acute on chronic pain, because the ice is decreasing inflammation, the ice is doing descending noxious inhibitory control, and you still have that vibration, which makes it both easier to tolerate the ice, uh, but also, vibration over 150 Hertz is going to vasodilate. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, you know, it, it, it makes the question of, Oh, do I heat it? Do I ice it moot from a tissue standpoint? And then with your chronic only, um, are they're not using the ice. Is that correct? Well, 
this is again where I think it's we we're having a new understanding of how to help pain and chronic patients. Mm -hmm. They need to feel empowered that they can control the pain and that they can then ignore it and they have options. So ice versus heat for chronic pain. What's interesting to me is that it changes from time to time and different patients really know what they want at different times. I broke my neck in 2015, which I'm sure had something to do with my sensitivity to wanting to solve opioid issues and, and yeah. uh, perhaps not practice, but afterwards, and I didn't have any, any, um, spinal issues with it, but I was intubated for, uh, four days. So after that, I would get periodic spasming around my neck. Um, and I still do. Mm -hmm. And so it taught me a lot about chronic pain. Yeah. Sometimes you want ice, sometimes you want heat and most magnificently when you're having pain and you know you have something in the other room that can handle it you can tolerate the pain for much longer yeah. so there's studies that support that as well but but the answer of should you use heat and should you use cold for chronic is really not the right question the question is what does the patient feel like will help them now perfect no, that makes sense all right, docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. And then um, talk to us a little bit, like it's hard because we're on audio only. And so I want to give a, a, a mental image of this. What does the device look like? Is it applicable to more than just a low back? Is it a wearable? Like walk our audience through what this is like. Sure. Well, for right now, you don't really have a good low back option because I'm not putting a uh, duotherm on the market until we find out about opioids and put it through the FDA as a de novo device. Um, but the, the devices that we have now, um, well, you know, someone could see them looking at Vibracool, uh, Vibracoolpro.com or on Pancare Labs. But what they are is pre-COVID, um, it's a rounded device that's shaped to go along the belly of the muscle. And it has a 200 Hertz motor in it that is perpendicularly oriented. And it goes inside a black Velcro compression strap that will affix it to the elbow for a tendinopathy um, we have a bigger one that can go around the knee. And so it's oriented so that when you press the button for the elbow, it'll go on for 10 minutes of vibration. And there's an elastic strap under it that you can put the ice in. For the knee, it's got a toggle switch. So it'll go on infinitely. Plantar fasciitis just has a strap that goes through it. 
So the reason I say this is what it looked like before COVID, mm-hmm. um, and to some extent before my neck started really bothering me and I made a new one, um, but those cuffs provide compression. So if you have an acute injury, then you won't get swelling with it when you're activating the ice and vibration, or if you're activating just the vibration alone. With COVID and with neck pain, um, I made a a flex device that's got a hot pack or a cold pack. Now, what's really important is both of these have to be solid because most of the magic of this is the specific frequency. And if you are transmitting a frequency through gel, it's going to dissipate and you're going to lose your amplitude. So a lot of our early work was figuring out how much liquid can we have to freeze solid to not worry about thermal injury. And so we did our calculations. So it's a third of what would actually freeze tissues, even in a baby. So you're not going to get you're not going to get um, frostbite, but it is going to free solid and be very thin. So you can have the transmission of the frequency. All of them come with two different ice packs so that you've got 10 minutes in each one. So total of maximum 20 minutes. But this didn't work for our practitioners. You know, we gave them to Jay's offices and they're like, yeah, they're great, but you can't use them between patients, especially if the patients are freaked out about germs. Yeah. So from that, um, we went back to the drawing board, looked at the way people were using the vibracles on their knees and, and you know, swimmer's elbow, tennis elbow. And we're like, okay, what we need to do is make something that still has that conform to the muscle belly shape. Mm-hmm. But, and mind you, it's about the size of a computer mouse. So this is really designed for more joints, right? Where the insertion is of the tendons. So we made it, so it's got big holes on the sides so that you can put a TheraBand through it so that you can use something in the office that's disposable. I mean, the, the Vibracol Pro comes with tourniquets, mm-hmm. but like rubber, you know, silicone tur- tourniquets, um, but also the patients could just hold it. So mm-hmm. when would you use this in the office? Um, and then you can clean it after patients. So Santa wipe, alcohol swabs, doesn't really matter, but it can be disinfected. So it's critical so that patients can experience it. And, you know, 3% of patients uh, don't like ice. So the vibration alone is good for many of them for loosening up the fibers and allowing them to activate those muscles. But that way people can can experience it. So talking to Jay um, and then talking about his patients, the three problem areas that we found that are the best for this are the patient who hurts too much to even start moving, the patient who has a pacemaker and can't use any kind of e-stem, and the patient who wants to get off of opioids or needs to get off of opioids before a surgery, but they hurt too much to move at home. So, So starting with the first patient. So if someone's in so much pain that they really don't want to do anything and you're trying to manipulate or you're trying to get them to do some stretching and that's a non-starter, then using just the vibration itself, just strapping it on will immediately start separating those muscle fibers and decreasing the pain of the area. So studies have found that range of motion is improved with vibration that's 150 Hertz or higher. So you can use this as a source of 150 Hertz vibration to increase that range of motion. Now, uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta is using these. And so they've found increased range of motion but they've also found specifically in patients with CRPS who were afraid to move that, um, or had so much pain they couldn't walk or move that this 
interrupts that signal. Hmm. It's an important thing to note that because what we're doing is on a nerve pathway, if they've got a bandage on their recent knee surgery, you can put it proximal in the same dermatome. So it's not going to have that, that direct muscle, um, muscle separating effect that you would have on a plantar fasciitis or, or a tendinopathy. But what it will do is help the pain that's downstream. That makes sense. And so <clears throat> elbow, you mentioned plantar fasciitis, so the foot, the knee, what else, what other body parts, shoulder, neck, uh, yeah. And I, you know, I made the, so the flex comes with a big, um, uh, TheraBand, but you have to have pressure to get these. Um, cause otherwise the, the, the if it's just vibrating and sitting on top, it's not going to do anything. It has to be penetrating. And so you've got to have a pressure so that that energy is descending into the joint. The thing about the neck one is you either have to tie it under a, a large breast, mm -hmm. um, which means mostly it's a good for females or it has, to, or those edges have to be tucked into a belt loop on jeans or something like that. Yeah. So I am not really happy mm -hmm. with the, the ease of use of our flex unit. Yeah. It's definitely the most versatile. It's the one we sell out of when we go to trade shows but it takes a little bit more explaining because someone has to figure out a way to put pressure on without using their own shoulders and arms to put pressure on. So we don't have the perfect solution yet for that, but neck pain, shoulder pain, that's the one that I go to. Yep. And then your low back one is that's going through the process. Will that just be for the low back or could that be like the neck or an upper back area or just no, it's, back? No, it's, it's got a plate. Um, the early stuff on this actually was done in 19, was published in 1974 by a Swedish guy that found that using a plate vibration through a plate for 30 minutes, um, would get days of pain relief. Now we're using it for 20 minutes and getting about four hours, but the plate is configured to the L2 to S2 region, you know, S3. So it's, it really is only going to be appropriate for low back. I'm, I'm hoping that I can work with some people to make some for femtech. So, because around, around our office, we are all women. And so we use it for UTIs and cramps and people have used the device for labor, but right now the flex is the best low back device, but it's just got one single unit that presses into the back. Um, it stays in place a little bit better. So that one's easier because you can just put your own belt loop through it and keep it there. But um, that one is good for sacroiliac instability. You know, if you've got somebody who's walking around and all of a sudden has lancing pain that's kind of piriformis mid-butt area, mm -hmm. that's usually an entrapment of a nerve and it's usually sacral instability. And so putting this mechanical device on a mechanical problem works in a couple minutes. Mm -hmm. But um but again, the, the ones that are the ones that, especially for the clinic, any place somebody would put on an e-stem unit and do 15 minutes of manual therapy with a modality, this is exactly the same kind of concept of when you would do the VibraCool Pro with or without the ice pack to make something able to move. So second person, person with pacemaker, easy. You know, somebody who doesn't like the stem or doesn't tolerate the stem. And then the final one is, 
because these are $60 retail, if a patient feels better with the device in the office, then they can walk slowly around the neighborhood with one on at home. Mm -hmm. They can go walking and then put it on, or if they don't have time to stretch, they can just do the vibration before mm -hmm. and then do the ice and vibration after. But the biggest predictor of opioid use after surgery is opioid use before surgery. Yeah, it makes sense. And so to touch on that a little bit, um, it, it's great because a lot of times we have patients and we do our thing with them and we, we would love for them to have something at home to continue that. And this is something where not only would the practitioner have it in, in the office and utilize it in there, like you would say, you're like you said, you're e-stim. So this becomes your replacement for that. But for 60 bucks, which is great. They can buy one and, and use it at home and give themselves relief. And I, I believe I heard you said, you said about uh, four hours of relief for every 20 minutes use. Is that correct? Well, it really depends on what they're treating. If it's an overuse injury, then 20 minutes can get you three days to a week or two. You know, if it's just something that's starting to flare and the ice and vibration increases blood flow to the area, decreases the inflammation, um, that can last for for days. If it is an acute injury, then um, if it's a if it's a meniscal tear, if it's a partial ACL, if it's something where there's um, or as for some reason happens in our office a lot, as the kneecaps get displaced because you're falling over kids' balls and at mm -hmm. home, um, then it's probably only going to last a couple hours. So it really depends on the severity and the source of the pain. The overuse is probably the best use case for a lot of these because you've got lactic acid that is tightening those muscle fibers together as they go into the tendon, into the ligament. And so separating the matromatical is important. And you've got inflammation that you really do want to decrease because that getting blood flow in that area to get rid of all of the, the IL-6 and all the catecholamines that are causing pain, um, that's important. So probably best use case is any kind of an overuse situation, but for the acute pain, two to four hours is what you're going to get after 20 minutes of use. Perfect. And is there a um, limitation of how often they can use it in a particular day or a particular week or anything? The vibration part, we've got some people who are taking home their low back pain devices and just using it consistently. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are needing to then not use anything at all for a while, but that's, that's part of what I'm dying to see the results on. Um, there is no mechanical reason why it should cause a problem. The vibration. So here's a question that we get a lot, like, okay, well, when would you use a percussion massager? And when would you use VibraCool? Oh, goodness gracious, completely different situation. So you do not want to use a percussion instrument on an overuse injury, nor do you want to use it on an acute injury. A, if you've got a large spasmed area that is tight from excessive working out or that is spasmed, um, not because of overuse, but because of sitting in one weird position, that's a great place for the percussion massager. Because then what you need to do is you've got these myofascial trigger points. You've got areas that are, are too big to, to dig out with the, the little ISTM edges of the VibraCool Pro. You need something that's bigger to really break that cluster of muscles before you can get in and start to stretch. Um, but with a vibracle, it's going to be much more where you've got areas that tend to be tight 
And whether they're they're not walking properly, they need orthotics, they've got one injury that causes them to splint all the time. Most of those patients are going to have problem areas that keep coming back. And that's where it's like, look, 20 minutes, you know, it starts coming back 20 minutes twice a day for a day or two. And most of the time they're just going to use it twice, you know, once once yeah. or twice, but it because it because it it beats down the pain enough that then they don't do it again. Nice. Nice. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you or any other, um, thoughts or topics you have that my audience would really benefit from? Cause I, we, we dove into a lot of that, which was great, but I, I might've missed a couple of things. Yeah. So we actually over COVID also made an evidence-based book, um, mm. a pain management book. So when you have somebody with chronic pain, it's important for them to be in charge of making their pain plan. I call it the Ikea bias. You like it better if you made it yourself. So letting them have a bunch of options and then pick what they want to do themselves increases the likelihood that it's going to work. Two things that I have found that people don't know about uh, or aren't or aren't prescribing comfortably is magnesium and sleep. So magnesium is astonishingly useful. It is four ways an anti-inflammatory. First of all, they're on opioids. It's an NMDA blocker, which means that you don't get the ramp up. And so in studies where they give magnesium in surgeries, decreases the post-op opioids they need by a third. Uh, magnesium also is a neuro-anti-inflammatory. So headaches and problems um, that are related to neural irritability those are helped with magnesium. Then musculoskeletally and sm so smooth muscle is an neuro is an anti-inflammatory and um, and also vascular. So the only real side effect if you go at around a thousand milligrams a day is going to be loose poops and slightly lower blood sugar or blood pressure. Mm -hmm. They it comes over the counter in two hundred fifty milligrams usually to five hundred. Personally, when I'm starting to have spasms and issues, I will realize usually, oh, I haven't taken magnesium in a week or two. Um, so I'll start at 500 once or twice a day for a few days and then drop down to 250 once or twice a day and then down to 250. But anybody can feel very comfortable. There's really no contraindications for magnesium. And if you have a patient in pain and patients with autoimmune diseases, they chew through magnesium. They tend to be hypomagnesemic. So as is 54% of our population. So um, so if you wanna give your patient options and you're helping them make a pain plan, by all means, um, having magnesium is not a one drug panacea, but it certainly is gonna help 20, 30, 40% to lower their pain. The other thing is um, that we don't pay enough attention to the fact that the less sleep you have, um, the worse heart rate variability you have, the more irritable you are and the more you are paying attention to pain. So what that means is quit eating dinner later at night. Um, if you're going to drink day drink because alcohol later at night, those two things really mess up the good sleep and heart rate variability, which, um, and also uh, so does sleeping in light, you know, so wearing a mask. So those three things are, are easy things that a practitioner can recommend to their patients that can help them sleep better. And that also will help global pain issues. Yeah. My wife and I finally had a date night last night and it was a, a later start, you know, eight o'clock by the time we got there and ate a bunch, had a couple glasses of wine. And, and as you can imagine, my sleep was not great last night. Um, it doesn't help having an eight month old either, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, oh dear. No, so, no. I remember yeah. this days. But this was great. You know, I really appreciate it, Doc. And um, I, I want them to be able to find this information. How can they, and, and also can they find that book that you mentioned on the site as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the, so on the pain care labs website, there is a download called what works for pain and our search engine right now is kind of abysmal. So I can either send you a link, um, so that you, well, and I can send you a link so they can post it. Yeah. I'll put but, it in the show notes. Yeah. But, um, but uh, it's going to be on the download page and it may say WWFP, but what works for pain is the, is the book. And by all means, take it, download it, print it, use it for free with my blessings. If someone wants the, the Vibracool, the quickest place for a customer to use it is Vibracool-Pro.com. And that will immediately take you to the Pain Care Labs Vibracool page. Now, if somebody wants to, um, is interested enough that they want to contact us and have a link so that they can have a, an affiliate program, we certainly have those. And the, the one to get for the office is the Vibracool Pro, because that's the one that um, has the new sleek design. It can be cleaned. It can also be handheld to administer um, anything from lymphatic drainage to, to pressure on myofascial trigger points. But that one is um, that one I would I would contact us. We have a clinician only page, okay. so you can get it through that one. But patients, vibracoolpro.com and what works for pain booklet, and then um, all the science, bibliographies, downloads, all that sort of thing are on the website as well. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate your time. This was this is great, very helpful. Uh, I also want to thank you for sending us one and we're in the process. We just got it a couple of days ago and we're in the process of working through that. And uh, we're excited to help out in any way we can. Well, we are, and I'll just say, so everybody asks, um, is it covered? So we went through an entire year with almost two years with centers for Medicaid and Medicare. They do not cover comfort items. And so the fact that the design right now is under therapeutic vibrator or therapeutic massager they won't cover no matter how much data we have on uh, superiority to TENS or opioid reduction. So until we get the duotherm studies done with Jay, mm -hmm. that's when we'll be going back to the FDA to get a new name so that we can go under mechanical stimulator so it won't automatically be rejected. But it is FSA, HSA covered. Mm -hmm. um, it is FDA 510K cleared. So that will come up on the question, uh, but yeah. that's your answer. Well, it's good if we give in-network doctors an opportunity to charge for it instead of uh, just charge them a cash uh, add-on. So Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Lovely. Well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. It's been great. That is it for this week's episode. But before you leave, check us out at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com for all kinds of free resources such as blogs and the podcast episodes. We've got online courses. You can check out the Chiropractic Success Academy there, which is an amazing online coaching system for you at a very affordable monthly rate. Uh, there's a free online course on the modernchiropracticmarketing.com website, so check that out. If you're interested in some coaching, we can do that as well. We have all kinds of resources for you there, and we would also truly appreciate if you could rate and review this podcast if you're getting valuable information out of it. I can't thank you enough, and we'll see you next week. Uh -huh.